Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast. I am on today with Matt Bertuzzi. He runs research and ops at the Bridge Group. We are going to talk today about a report that they are putting out this week. It is called AE Metrics That Matter. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Hey, before we jump into the topic, what's your background? Where, where have you been professionally? We would love to uh, educate the listeners. Sure. So I see, I, I think I'm a traditional route to tech, you know, tech and tech sales and that it's untraditional. I, I studied uh, Russian international studies and know a lot more than most folks about 19th century Russian literature. And then I would, did Marriott, opened a few hotels, and then a gentleman by the name of Dick Faulkner gave me my first uh, BDR job at, at Sophos, the, the, the sure. security company here in Massachusetts. Yeah, then an amazing multiple-time entrepreneur, Bud Stoddard, gave me my first shot at an AE role, which I politely <laughs> failed into product marketing, sales ops, and here I am. Oh, wow, amazing. Um, and you're based in Boston, right? Yep, based in Boston. Cool. What what is there are a lot of listeners that are probably familiar with the Bridge Group and know a bit about what you do, but would love to just learn a little bit more about sure. that. Um, so give us the give us the download. Sure. So we at the Bridge Group work with B two B tech companies primarily around what used to be called inside sales, but now is like SDR, AE, and CSM, like models, motions, metrics, that kind of thing. We, so we, we do kind of hands-on consulting, playbooks, assessments, you know, roadmaps. I love my framework and advisory service, you know, friends in the industry, but we're much more like street fighters. We like to get our hands dirty with teams and tools and uh, strategies, things like that. And how, if, if uh, we are a early stage SaaS company, what's the profile or size? that we should be thinking about in terms of working with you? Will you take all customers or is there kind of a specific fit that the Bridge Group thinks ah, about? You definitely, so I would say early is relative. So I would say latter early, like there, yeah. obviously there has to be founder market fit, then product market fit. And then once you have reps and you're truly like trying to get your repeatable scalable, that's when maybe something like a sales playbook is helpful or you're, now you're ready to stand up an outbound SDR team. So really, like once sure. you have to have customers to prove that you can get more customers before you put the pedal down, and we generally help at that pedal down stage. You know, where it's through B round, pre IPO, post IPO, whatever that is. Got it. Okay. And and can you comment at all, like how big is the company? And I'm curious, kind of, uh, is there sure. a, a thing yeah. behind the name? Yes, there is. So. I don't know even if you know this. So Trish Bertuzzi, our, our founder, is is my mom. So I oh, wow. am one of those, okay. yeah, weird people who actually works in the family business, and it's good and awesome because we do different things. We don't overlap. Sure. So yeah, she 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 founded the Bridge Group in '98. Uh, she was a VP of Sales for a pretty big outsourcer called Telesales Inc. Back when setting meetings over the phone was wild. When people were just like, "That's crazy." <laughs> right. Right. So yeah, so the Bridge Group, she, she, she founded the Bridge Group, and the Bridge Group was to help folks, here it comes, bridge the chasm. So basically, Jeffrey Moore's wow. chasm right. was where the name came from, yeah. Cool. So yeah, we're a, couple, we're a dozen and change employees. We have folks in Austin, um, Denver, I always get my Colorado's wrong, Denver, San Francisco, and then Boston area in Massachusetts. Perfect. Last question before we jump into the report. 
I always ask this. What is one thing that no one listening here is going to know about you? <laughs> uh, so, I actually, no one would know this. I'm a huge horror fan. Like, I love horror, mo- like, horror movies, obviously, but, like, horror podcasts. Like, we're in an, uh, we're in an amazing time for short horror fiction, whether it's yeah. audio or written. And, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm in heaven. What can you do a quick plug for a horror podcast that you are listening to these days? So yes, I, the, my my deep nerd out is the Magnus Archives, which is currently okay. a 160 episode anthology. Wow. Uh, but if you just want to dip dip in, Nightmare Magazine does a they pick one story from their monthly magazine, which you can get on Amazon, and you can get that one story amazingly produced in an audio format in the Nightmare Magazine podcast. Amazing. All right, we'll check that out. Um, so, uh, odd transition. We'll go. We'll go back to the report. Um, so, you and your team just released this is, I think, the seventh edition. Um, yes. So, tw- a, 2007 through 1999. Sorry, 2020. You started it in 2007. You said that's way more than seven years. Yeah. So every so we don't do every. We do every other oh. with the fudge factor okay. of. Small companies aren't perfect at hitting target dates. Got it. There have been there have been six other editions though, if I'm uh, counting correct, right? Absolutely. All right, perfect. So you put this out. It's called SAS AE Metrics. We'll include a link on the blog to it, uh, or at least to to where you can download it. Um, so what's the just the maybe we just walk through the general gist of the report, kind of what's the point, high level, be be interesting for everyone sure. to understand that as a start. So this, I mean, this is going to be madly familiar to everybody, but the point of it, back in 2007, the point of it was for use in our business, like for use in benchmarking and assessing. And we were actually first 100 HubSpot customers back in 2008. And they convinced us of this, at that point, wild idea of you have this great stuff that you use, put it on the internet for free, and somehow you'll make money off it. So we, we gave it a shot, and it appears to have worked out. So it's really like the, the, the point is to put, a, to put like useful metrics out there because everyone wants to know how their teams are doing to, and put them out there so that people can pay appropriately, build Excel models appropriately, you know, pitch deck appropriately, have board meetings appropriately around, the, which, which is now the AE function, but when we started it, it was inside sales for SaaS companies, which generally back in 2007 meant maybe not even a discrete, discrete quota. It might have been, you know, came to the field partner. Got it. So a lot of ways to use this. You, you take an interesting approach to information gathering here. It's predominantly a survey, if I understand yes. the, the report correctly. I mean, how, what's the sample size? How big is it? Um, how many companies in that? Sure. So this, so we, I have a group of VPs of sales who are amazing beta testers. So they always punch me up around and say too long, too long, too long. So I, I they help me edit because VPs of sales are very busy and they don't have the longest attention span. Um, this round we had for the SaaS side, we had 287 ish uh, companies complete. And we have a, another version, which is non SaaS. So think services, hardware, hardware, software, traditional licensed software, and that's like an additional hundred and change companies. 
Got it. So it's pretty extensive. Um, anything that's changed in this seventh version of it or, or kind of different? Did you kind of add or subtract anything where I was kind of curious how the, the report yeah, yeah. relates to prior Yeah, absolutely. So one of the big things we cut this year was we spent a lot of time in the 2017 version on shape of comp, like um, ex cliff accelerators, decelerators, who uses them, how they're structured, like we a lot, like maybe four or five pages and it's just a lot of effort and a lot of math. And <laughs> the feedback was, this is fascinating, but it's, it's already baked. We're doing whatever our insert here, CEO, CFO, board prefers. So don't waste so many so many cycles on that kind of stuff. Got it. Interesting. And um, now that it's out there, kind of what are some highlights or anything in particular that you kind of would care to mention? You've obviously been through this for a number of versions, so at a high level, I'm just curious. Yeah. I mean, the, I I love as a former sales rep. I think this is wild and great. But AE Comp, and I'm sure you see this all the time. Is, is it's through the roof. It's almost in the crazy times. Like the median AE comp in the US for a SaaS company is over 150,000 OTE. And if you look at coasts, it's higher. If you look at West Coast, it's higher still. I mean, it's, it's truly from the lows of, you know, 2007, 2008, when unemployment was double digits to now, maybe five, 6% compounded annual growth rate of OTEs. And if I look at non-SaaS companies, just, just B2B, I, I mean, I can, the OTE is, it's gone up maybe three, three and a half percent, but just nowhere near like SaaS. Like it's just been a real inflection point. Yeah. Anything else that's interesting? Well, yeah. So the, the, the flip side of that coin is, well, has quota gone up? And the answer is yes, but right. not as much. I mean, quota is much more two and a half, three percent increase uh, compounded annually. Which like means if if you're old school like me and you always think, well, five X, five X my OTE is my quota, we're seeing three X now. Like I just I have a friend who just got a let's try to get this right. It is a hundred thirty K base, Massachusetts, Boston, two hundred K OTE, six hundred K new A C V quota. That's a three X where yeah. it, a year that's unheard of years ago. Nobody nobody could have a three X quota. It wasn't enough. Yeah. So, so at some point, down, yeah. yeah, right. Like some, at some point, something is something is going to change. Either there will be a productivity spike, or OTEs will level, you know, regress to the mean. Who knows? Right, right, right. Any anything that surprised you from this edition, just out of curiosity, and you know this stuff pretty well. Yeah, I, I think the the thing that surprised me is like what. What is an AE responsible, or a better way to say it is, who's responsible for new business, AEs, obviously, who's responsible for renewals, and who's responsible for upsell? I, I, I always thought there was much more of, you know, like maybe 70% of the market does it this way, or at least 50% does it this way, but it's, it's really fragmented in approaches. I mean, we, we plotted it out on a, on a grid, and each square represents, you know, the percentage of takers who did it that way, and I would have thought, you know, you have a couple 25s, a couple 30s, but it's all over the place. So it doesn't seem like that, the, the model of AE, CSM, AM, or however you want to call it is baked, but actually who does what within the model doesn't seem baked at all. 
why do you think that is? Is it just the fragmentation because there's so many software companies coming out now and the market's just gotten so much bigger or what? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's probably like a little bit like the SDR model was a few years ago. When things grow as rapidly, there's a lot, you know, it's like in biology. When cells rapidly divide, there's a lot of mutation. And I, right, I assume right. that's what we're seeing on the CSM side. Like there's a lot more CSM, CSMT, and CSM leadership. So we're seeing a lot of mutations, which, you know, evolution has yet to call. Interesting. Um... So I don't want to give away everything, but for the listeners, Matt's got a really nice structure to this report. It, it, he kind of covers five key areas, org structure, rampant retention, um, metrics, compensation, and sales leadership. And so I just wanted to maybe for the next five minutes or so unpack some of these different parts um, if, you, if you were open to it. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess from an org structure standpoint, and, and and for the listeners, you'll want to obviously follow along, but definitely get a copy and read through this because there's so many numbers and specifics in here that, as Matt mentioned at the beginning of the show, you can, you can definitely use. Um, but maybe just to start start on org structure. I mean, you've got a lot of research on marketing contributions, sales development stuff, um, sources, renewals, expansions. I mean. What are you seeing really from SaaS companies these days in terms of VAE and anything kind of wanted to highlight, I guess, from this section that, that was interesting? Sure. I th so what I find so what, what I find not surprising is that the majority of an AE's pipeline is sourced by marketing, whether that's, you know, scored and routed to them or goes through an inbound SDR and or outbound sales development, you know, putting, putting outbound meetings on their calendar. The majority is not surprising, but not all is also not surprising, but it's, it's not a, something you hear a lot. Like the, the vast majority is, is sourced for an AE, but not all. You, so there is some degree of channel, network, hustle that needs to happen for, those, for AEs to hit their number. And it's not something – it's certainly something companies don't mention when they're you know, trying to recruit, but it's, I think it's the reality for – what the data say, it's the reality for the, if not all, most companies. Sure, interesting. And and has that changed over time, or that's been? I mean, I guess they used to have a, a, a predominant component of, of that pipeline company themselves, and we've seen this sort of definitely. SDR marketing function sit over the top in recent years. I mean, I'm assuming the trend line is continuing to go down, right, in terms of the AE generation. 100%. Yep. So in 2015, if, if I'm not the, I'm not a predictor, like I'm way too pessimistic for that kind of thing. But if I had extrapolated out, I would have said by 2020, AEs will have to generate, you know, zero percent. But that's not the case. It's I think like 24 percent or 20 percent is the median. So it's definitely a my share. If I'm an AE, my share of self-sourced is less than it was three, five, ten years ago. But it's no, it's not approaching zero at the same rate. Got it, got it. Um, and I don't, can, I don't know if it can. I don't know if it can. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I don't know if it can either. Um, it's, an, it's an interesting thought, I should try to be sure. Maybe just let's, uh, jumping to kind of rampant retention and, and that um, 
section, you know, you've got kind of distribution of required experience and, and ACV sizes related to people's experience and then cover kind of how ramp time is. I mean, how are companies ramping opportunities these days? What are you seeing there? Is there anything kind of interesting coming out of that section? Yeah, I mean, I, so one, there's, like everyone would expect, the higher the ACV, the more tenure you have to have. You see it every day on job descriptions, and it, it just makes logical sense. Um, from a ramp perspective, it's kind of like we're living in two different worlds. There's the quick ramping companies, and then there's you know the, the five months or more ramping companies. One of the things that jumps out to me is 10 years ago, like half as many companies had five-plus month ramp times. So five-plus month, month ramp times are much more common than they used to be. So does that mean they're hiring worse reps? Probably not. But ACVs are higher. More people, like there's, we always say there's more no's. More people can say no to a purchase than ever before. You know, it used to be maybe one yes and one no. Now it's, you need seven yeses and one no can stall you. So I, there's, there's a lot going on in the market. And I think that's showing up on the ramp side. To expect, you know, every AE and every company of every size to ramp in under four months, it's just not reasonable. Yeah, but you still have ramp times. I, I think you the number you have is kind of 4.2, 4.3 for the high growth companies. Is that has that distribution stayed stayed basically the same, or have you seen that shift? So that's actually interesting. So we only just started breaking out high growth because I think it's okay. I think it's interesting. Um, for for listeners, I'll give you the the quick pitch, like um. Imagine you have two, actually, you know, imagine you have two real companies, you know, uh, ePost Now, the POS company, right? And then ServiceNow. Yeah. Let's say they're, let's say ServiceNow is growing at, I don't know, 20, 20% a year, but that's like $600 million. And ePost Now is growing at 40% a year, but that's like 16 million. Like you, you can't call them both high growth. You can't say that e, like ServiceNow is not high growth. So we try to break it out by revenue band. So for listeners, that's why we, we do high growth by revenue band so that somebody growing 600 million a year is not quote unquote low growth versus somebody at 16. Mm -hmm. so, so to answer your question, yes, ramp at high growth companies is kind of amazing considering that they're growing faster, which means they're hiring more, which means they have to have just generally be better at it because their attrition's not, not statistically different. Their quotas are higher. They're, their ramp times are lower, so it's just they have a better machine at that part of the, the sales leadership process. And then one thing that I thought was interesting, I mean, is, is the kind of real ceiling here five months? I mean, if you're going over five months to ramp, it's probably pretty tough to actually build a, a best-in-class company here or what? I mean, yes, right? Like, so if we say, <laughs> yeah, if you if you if you're ramping at five months, either you're overpaying because your reps can't live on base alone. It's the nature of being an AE, mm -hmm. or they're drawing heavily, and the tenure is not getting any longer. So yeah. it's the, I mean, if if we're some we were talking about a three x payback, but that's one year. If you take five months right, out of that right. year, you're just you're torching cash. Right. Um, maybe let's jump to metrics. You had a great section here on metrics to quota. 
Uh, I think it's probably the immediate part of this whole thing, especially for folks that are founders or just building out their sales team to benchmark that yep. are kind of best in class. What, I mean, is there, is there, one of the things that I always get asked is one of the metrics that matter and one of the metrics that don't. I mean, is there, is there stuff you might just comment quickly on there and then, and then what are maybe like one or two of the, the metrics that you think are interesting that best in class companies or these high growth companies are really achieving? Sure. Sure. So I know it's, it's not, it's not common on the AE side of the house to think in terms of like, you know, dials per day. It's, it's just right. a different role than an SDR. But I think, I mean, you go back to like a book like Cracking the Sales Management Code, the only thing reps can control 100% is their activities. It's, it's literally the only thing they, can, they have control on when they hit the office. So I think it's important to, to not obsess over an unreasonable number, but to know reps are doing X number of activities a day and that can be split any, any way that's appropriate. Pre-scheduled discovery calls, outbound calls, emails, what, what LinkedIn, whatever it is. But I think that's an important, the, the only thing you know reps have a lever to pull on and the easiest thing to coast down when other things get busy. You know, it's like you're, sure. it's a, and then when you flush that pipeline at the end of the quarter, if you haven't done those activities the prior months, where are you for that quarter? So that's to me that's a, that's a big one. Like, yeah. What were you saying? Go ahead. No, I was saying that that's a big one for me. It's just watching the activity metrics, not to be a, a, a psychopathic micromanager, but just to keep your eye on next quarter's ball. Got it. Got it. That's helpful. Um, we talked a bit of the fourth section is compensation. We talked a bit about this in the beginning that that you comp is kind of through the roof. Um, there were a couple other highlights in here, but I don't know if there's anything else that um, the listeners might get out of this section or, or I mean, that's kind of the gist of it. No, no, I mean, yes, it's, if you look at recruiters publishing this data, you know, it's easy to say it's in their interest to uh, I don't want to say inflate, but it's in, in, in their interest to exclude un, un, you know, numbers that seem low. But I, I honestly think, I mean, we've been doing this long enough that there's, there's no incentive for people to lie about what they're paying their reps to us. Comp is literally high. If you go, anytime you go on Reddit, you know, r slash sales, and just search for SaaS OTE, you will see people listing general industry SaaS city with numbers that are like this, 150, 180, 200. So I think you have to know what your what your market requires, and if you have if you have a high ACV or a difficult sale or you need a lot of experience, you're going to have to pay up. Mm -hmm. One other thing I saw. I mean, are you seeing? Sorry, okay. I can ask if you're seeing it too. I mean, are you seeing it like yeah, an early stage too? It's not just. Yeah. No, I think it's across. It's wild. Which is yeah, it is wild. One of the things also that I thought was kind of interesting about this section is. M&A being used now as a tool for talent. Is that something, I, mm -hmm. I, I didn't read the prior report, but I know you mentioned Drift and PagerDuty um, opening, you know, obviously Drift moving to San Francisco and then, and then PagerDuty uh, move, or, you know, opening another office in Atlanta. Is that something you think is going to be a trend and continue or are these kind of one-off examples? I'm just curious. I, I mean, I, I do, I think it's a, tr so the trend before this year, I would have said companies always go from 
Massachusetts to Austin and from San Francisco to, I don't know, Nashville. You know what I mean? They, they pick up a time zone coverage. Yeah. But, or Toronto. Didn't Slack go to Toronto? So it, yeah. I always thought that was going to be the direction. But, but now it's, I mean, Drift went from Boston to San Francisco. So they didn't decrease their dollars per square foot. So it's clear there's more than access to talent at a cheaper price that's going in. I think it's just access to talent, period. Um, and then last section on sales leadership. I had never really seen a section like this. So for the listeners, I would definitely take a look. It talked a lot about distribution of titles and rep to manager ratios, leadership comp, any, any kind of key insights coming out of that outside of just the comp stuff obviously being up. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's certainly true. The comp is up, which is fair. One, one thing we, I, a lot of the stuff I do is I, over the year, I like sit on the report and think for a bit and then I'll write follow-up pieces. And, and one follow-up piece I, I wrote on last round was a good comp plan at a good company should, let's say top five, let's say top 10%, the top 10% of AEs should out earn their, their manager. Like that's, to me, that's fair and reasonable. So I always like to say, well, you know, if, if your top reps, if only 1% of your reps are out earning their manager, your comp plan is not generous enough. And if 20% are, someone's too generous and someone's not generous enough. So they don't exist in a vacuum. Um, those, those two have to, to be correlated. And two is that it, I think it's the hardest job around right now is being an AE manager. Like the, the pace of change, the, the amount of technologies that AEs, I mean, the amount of technologies yeah. AEs are, use, are using is out of the date. So it's data, LinkedIn, it's call recording, it's sales engagement. There's just a lot coming at them. Quote to cash. You know, yeah, there's a yeah, lot yeah. going on. I think it's one of the toughest jobs around. Got it. We've talked about a lot uh, over the past 30 minutes, leadership, compensation, metrics that matter. Um, we talked a bit about rampant retention, org structuring. Uh, again, I encourage everyone to kind of take a look. Obviously, Matt and I are just highlighting it. Any kind of final tips, thoughts, tricks? How do you see people use this in the wild? Um, that might be an interesting place to close on. Yeah. Well, I, I hope people will kind of think, as they look through their numbers this year, try to right size. Like my, my, the thing that makes me happiest is when a, a rep emails me and says, hey, I got a raise because of you. Like that's fantastic, awesome, good on you. Or, or the thing that makes me second happiest is when a manager says, I fought to lower quota based on your data or whatever it is, to lower expectations of demos per day or what have you, SDR contribution to pipeline. Like I, I, in a perfect world, the best companies win because of their process and, and people and technology, you know, not because they built a culture where people are failing. Right, right. So yeah, I hope cool. I hope people use this to because I mean it's a hard job, and I want every sales floor to have a positive culture where people overachieve, people miss, but the the the, the goals were reasonable. Right, right. Cool. Well, we'll leave it at that. Uh, as I mentioned, Matt Matuzzi, he runs research and ops at the Bridge Group. The report uh, should be out by the time we release this podcast called "EE Metrics That Matter." Matt, thanks so much for coming on to the show. We appreciate it. Thanks to you and thanks to Bowery.